Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am super excited tonight to have the comedian. Jim Delakis joining us tonight, and uh, he's going to be one of the many talented comedians that I've had the honor now of interviewing on my show. Some of the comedians he'll join tonight that I have interviewed in the past include Tom Cotter, Jim Florentine, Don Jamison, Chris, De- Chris DeStefano, Joe Manarese, Claudia Stavola, and Liz Russo, to name a few. So it's going to be a pleasure to have him on and promote and support him. Um, please check out some of the podcasts I've done. I've done over 200 interviews, and I always like to just do a brief introduction just to let people know a little bit about my show. Um, my background is in psychology. That's what I have my doctorate degree in. And one of the things I just thoroughly enjoy doing is interviewing people. My other passion is the entertainment industry. Um, I have a passion for music. I'm a singer-songwriter. I've done some writing for some magazines. So I really created this forum. I guess it's been, gosh, almost four to five years now to bring people on in the industry and support and promote them. Personally, I know how difficult and challenging it can be, especially when you're doing everything on your own. So please support my guests. All of my uh, podcasts are available on iTunes. You can download them there for free or stream them, or you can get them off my site. So on my site, uh, on my show, you're going to get a really good taste of what these people's lives are like and what it's like to be in their profession. Although I mentioned I'm a psychologist, my show is purely meant for entertainment purposes. And we do joke around sometimes, but uh, we're not doing any formal therapy, um, even though I know my guests like to say that they could uh, use a therapist at times. Um, So I definitely want my guests to feel grounded, to talk about whatever they'd like, and to just leave out any um, information that might be embarrassing or humiliating in terms of identifying information, so to speak, if you want to share any stories. But we do want people to, like I said, share whatever they'd like to on my show. So if you're tuning in tonight, create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. If you want to call in, the number is 805-243-1320. So let's do a nice introduction for Jim DeLakis. And then we're going to bring him on. Okay, so although I mentioned he's a comedian, one of the things I really want to hone in on about Jim is I really see him as what's called, in my terms, a quadruple threat, so to speak. I mean, people call him a triple threat. I call him a quadruple threat. He's also a voiceover artist. He's a writer. And he's also an actor, which sometimes from what I've read about him, he really hones in on acting as being a key factor of what he incorporates into everything he does in entertainment. Uh, He also stands out from comedians because he has this brilliant, uncanny ability to really mimic movie stars and actors where he literally contorts his face into uh, what they look like. And I've personally seen him. It's been a few years, but he was just phenomenal. And one of my favorite uh, impressions that he does is is of Kramer from uh, Seinfeld. Jim's performed all over the country, including the world, the U.S., He's done recently an IG corporate 53-city tour, selling out 2,000-seat theaters. You've seen him, I'm sure, at Caroline's, The Laugh Factory, and The Borgata, to name a few. Jim has also worked with the likes of Jerry Seinfeld, Kevin Nealon, Larry the Cable Guy, and Brad Garrett from Every Love, Everybody Loves Raymond, to name a few. And I think something I really want to also hone in on with Jim is that he truly comes across as just a genuine, authentic person, um, not only in his performances, but just as a person. So if you get a chance to meet him, get up and talk to him. He's a great person, and he, he truly is passionate about what he does. So for more information, visit him at ComedianJim.com. Let's bring him on. 
Hey, Jim, how are you? Hello there, Kerry. I'm actually in my underwear on the couch, ready to oh, tell gosh. you all my problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope with my introduction, uh, thank you for that. I think that's uh, very entertaining. And I hope the introduction I did for you uh, gave you justice. Uh, you made me look probably a lot better than I am. And uh, no. <laughs> I feel like after all that, I should probably run for president. What do you think? Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I, think you'd, I think you'd be a good candidate. <laughs> uh, I'm not a good enough liar. What's that you said? I said I'm not a good enough liar. So You're not, okay. oh, yeah. Well, we're not gonna. Yeah, that's that's another conversation. Psychopathy and the antisocial personality, right? And uh, well, we'll stay away from politics tonight. Why don't we do that? But, yeah, um, I'd love that. Let's. Uh, I, I always love to learn about people's backgrounds, Jim. I think that's what I try to really make unique about my show, and and people really get to know who my guests are versus just kind of asking you some you know basic cookie cutter questions. So I think what mm-hmm. was really interesting to you know learn about with you is that you grew up in Perth, Australia, and why don't you talk a little bit just about yourself as a kid and what it was like growing up there? Uh, it was actually awesome growing up in Australia. My parents were immigrants from Greece after World War II. Um, A lot of immigrants went to Australia, to Canada, to the U.S. or the U.K., and um, depending on where their relatives went, their brothers and sisters, and uh, I I had a little bit of an identity crisis because I I grew up not knowing whether I was Greek, Australian, or believe it or not, American, Um, (laughs) because uh, I used to watch a lot of American television shows, and they were like my escape. Because when I was uh, uh, a kid growing up, I I was the prettiest girl you've ever seen. Um, Aww. <laughs> yeah. um, my, in fact, when we <laughs> sometimes my parents, you, I'd, I'd be there with my sisters, and um, my. Uh, uh, people that hadn't met us before would go, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Delacas, you have three very beautiful daughters. So uh, that, as you can imagine, got me in a lot of trouble in school because I I got bullied a lot. And uh, uh, I weighed about, you know, I had the, the weight of a of an anorexic flea. So it, was, <laughs> it wasn't... Um, it wasn't fun, but I would escape. I would watch uh, all these American TV shows. Bugs Bunny was my first comedic influence. And um, I would end up doing impressions of them to entertain the guys beating me up so that they wouldn't beat me up. And um, uh, I just I just developed this, um, I guess, this connection to America and American icons. And, and it... Uh, but it, it it was good growing up in Australia. Uh, after that, I loved it. I I think it's a great place to grow up, to live, to be. And, um, so real quick, yeah. just to just to digress a little bit, Jim, and I'm so sorry to hear about you growing up. But I think, like you said, sometimes what people do is they, you know, take some of these um, situations they've had in your situation, and I mean, you've made it into a majorly successful career from you learning to do these impersonations and being an amazing actor and a talented comedian and so many other things that you're you know, very um, fortunate that you've been able to incorporate into your life. So how old were you when all this stuff started to happen? Were we talking like grammar school where the people were making fun of you and that type of stuff? No, I was, uh, I was 45. No, I'm just joking. I was, uh, <laughs> I was uh, uh, in primary school, which is elementary school here. So um, eight, nine, 10, 11, okay. and then 12, because 12 when all the girls were, 
uh, all the guys were uh, turning into men with you know the hairy legs and the mustaches and the the deep voices. Right. I was blossoming. I was blossoming into a very pretty little girl. So it got worse. But then when I got to high school, I discovered uh, um, a friend of mine took me to to see uh, a kung fu marathon, and that's where I discovered Bruce Lee. <laughs> so okay. I thought uh, at that point I knew exactly what I wanted to be. Uh, when I I knew exactly what I wanted to be. I wanted to be Chinese. So uh, I hired a math tutor. I'm kidding. I just I wanted right. to. <laughs> I, I wanted to. Um, I just thought I got to do what he's doing, and um, then it was, uh, yeah, it, it was a complete turnaround. It was very pivotal because uh, I became stronger. I, I I made sure that when I got to high school, that all the the demons that uh, I had in in primary school wouldn't follow me. But right. what's interesting is that when it was the opposite reason. They wanted to beat me up because I was a, uh, I was weak and looked like a little girl. And now they wanted to beat me up because I was strong and uh, capable of handling myself. But you know, okay, I avoided. So we, I avoided both. Both times so I avoided. Any, to, um, so you started to take martial arts. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, you got I did. involved in. Okay. Okay. Very yeah. cool. And. Uh, and then that gave me the confidence to really mm-hmm. branch out and do what I really wanted to do, which was to act, which was to make people laugh. Because I, although the, the making people laugh thing was just a very pleasant accident, but um, and I'm I'm glad I had that crash. Well, let's um, <laughs> again let's let's go back a tiny bit because I want to talk a little bit about and again I'm I'm sorry like you said that it was unfortunate that you went through some of these experiences. What did your um What did your parents do for a living? Because I want to incorporate some family stuff and then get into the TV shows you were watching and that type of stuff. Sure. My father was a tomato grower, and um, and uh, then he moved from a little town in Western Australia called Geraldton to Perth, which is a bigger city, and um, and he was a real self-sufficient man. He he makes MacGyver look useless. He can do anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I uh, always felt like I had to live up to what he was able to do, but I, I just couldn't. So again, that's where my creative, uh, my creative juices would take over. You know, I, I, I couldn't mm-hmm. do something like be a handyman or mow the lawn or all, <laughs> any of that stuff. But um, so the, he ended up with his own business, a delicatessen and uh, a newsstand. And, oh, nice. Um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty good. It's, I I was always amazed at how so many Europeans had come over after the war and with nothing they just built a life. You know, they started businesses, they were successful at it. And my parents, I guess, were moderately successful. We were broke many times. Um, okay. And uh, I still wouldn't have it any other way. I I mean, because they gave us what everybody wants, which is worth more than anything, which is they just they gave us uh, discipline, love, and mm-hmm. encouraged us to do what we wanted. And I remember when I told my dad, I I said I finally realized what I want to do. I, I think I, I think I want to be an actor and and maybe make people laugh too. And I said, Are you happy with that? And he goes, eh, No, not at all. <laughs> but, but he still he still encouraged me. He still told me this is what you have to do. You know, so right. yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was a okay, good childhood. So I, I can't complain. No, it sounds again. I think I think that's a it's 
I think the theme that you're talking about too, in, in terms of your parents coming over and yeah, needing to persevere. And like you said, you know, make a life for themselves. And I think unfortunately you took a lot of that stuff from what your parents had and you used it in a different way in terms of learning, unfortunately, to survive in school and not be bullied and learn to stand up for yourself, like you said, and develop some dis- discipline and competence. Um, so I think sure. that's, that's, that's great that you were able to, you know, reframe that because some people can get into situations where, you know, it leads to extremely low self-esteem and then, you know, their lives go in a much different direction, but you were able to, you know, bank on that, so to speak, in a different way. And I think that's great that you had that strength and that power to do that. It was, it, it um, was lovely. I was glad, yeah. Yeah. What did your, um, any, are your sisters involved at all in entertainment? What do they do for work? No, they're, uh, I guess, the exact opposite. Um, okay. My younger sister is a hooker, and my older <laughs> sister is, no, I'm just, again, just kidding. <laughs> um <laughs> No, they're just, uh, um, but geez, I, I don't know, but they want me to tell anybody that, well, one oh, works no, no, in no, a, don't, like a, no, Jim, I don't want you to, yeah. again, as I say in the beginning, if you don't, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. So if you don't want to get into that, you know, that's fine. Do you have a good relationship with them? Oh, very, very, I'm nice. very close with them. Um, nice. yeah, I definitely would. <laughs> Sometimes I meet all these crazy psychic people that go, you know, you were a woman in your previous life because you really <laughs> understand women. You were a woman five times. And I said, yeah, either that, or I just had a very strong female influence growing up. That's probably has something, has something to do with it. Right. Um, right. So yeah, I do. I get on very well with them. Um, That's great. And uh, my little, my younger sister is she was a tomboy. So when my older sister became a teenager, I thought, oh, damn. So, but then I just switched over to the younger one, and to this day, because she was such a tomboy, I've always called her my little brother. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> which is, she calls nice. me big bro. I call her little bro. It's it's yes, yeah, it's, it's it's funny, but it's nice. all good. Yeah. Good. So as you were saying, you started to really get, um, you know, kind of pulled into the American television. So talk a little bit about that. And what was it about the American television that was kind of your escape, as you said, and, and you know, how Bugs Bunny became this kind of initial influence for you with comedy? You know, just yeah, pull some of that stuff in and then we'll start moving forward. Yeah, it's just it was very weird because my excuse me, my friends would always, after school, or when we go to, uh, when I go to school the next day, they would say, did you see the goodies? Did you see this? Did you see... And it was always the British and Australian television shows they were talking about, and I kind of felt left out because I thought, oh, I can't talk about it. I, I don't know what they're, what, they're, what they're saying. And then I thought I should probably watch those shows so that I know, so I can be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I said, what time are those shows on? And they told me, and I said, uh... If you think I'm going to give up Bugs Bunny, I Dream a Genie, Get Smart, and Gilligan's Island for that, you're out of your mind. <laughs> right, right. So um, I don't know. There was something about the American sense of humor. The, um, just something resonated with me. I always felt mm-hmm. like even as a child before I knew what I wanted to do, I, I just felt like there was a sense of belonging here. And... Um, I look back now and I realize how prof- uh, prophetic that was because I I I did I'd, I'd watch these shows and they just made me happy, um, and they made my parents happy too. And and my and then when I got a little older, I mean my parents would watch um, 
except the Carol Burnett show, which I absolutely mm-hmm. loved. Just couldn't wait every Sunday night for that to come along. And then Flip Wilson, uh, the Flip Wilson show followed that. Because we would get all this American content back then. Um, we still do, but there's a lot of Australian content nowadays. Uh, but back then, I would see all this stuff, and it it just, you know, to me, even to this day, when people try to pigeonhole comedy, I just still think if it's if it if it's if it's funny, that's all that matters to me. I don't care if right. it's edgy. I don't care if it's a puppet. I don't care if it's musical. I don't care if it's alternative. If it's funny, and I, if I laugh and it's funny, that's I really I love all sorts. But that's what was making me laugh. And one of the other shows, I guess I was probably ten years old, and my I always had to go to bed at eight eight thirty. My sisters and I, you know, my parents, especially dad, would go, "All right, come on, in your bed." So we were allowed on Monday nights to stay up a little later because we had to watch the Mod Squad. I mean, we were little okay. kids back then. We were tiny. Um, but it was just funny that we were watching this. He allowed us to watch a, a, an adult show. But what was even funnier is for some reason, and to this day I don't know why as a 10-year-old I loved All in the Family so much. But my parents, my dad would say, all right, you can stay up to watch Achibanka, okay? But then you go to bed. Right, right. So I would watch All in the Family, and I was just, I still, I just think, what did I see in that? I, I have no idea. But that's kind of I guess those things shape me. And I, and again, I don't, you know, I watched it. I think, you know, I've seen some of it a little bit. I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up watching a lot of that. But um, or even, you know, it was a little before my time, probably too. But but I think with that, I mean, that was an edgy show. I mean, you know, I I listen to Howard Stern and yeah. I hear him talking about that sometimes. And you know, like, how did they get away with that stuff back then? So you know, it's kind of interesting that um, did your parents? were they concerned at all with exposing you to some of the kind of risque, so to speak, you know, content of it or no? Uh, not really. I think what was interesting, my, I, I learned to speak English. Uh, uh, Batman taught me how to speak English. Cause, okay. Uh, <laughs> my, my parents' first, my first language uh, was Greek. And, um, wow. And my parents picked up, they, they, just, they just picked up English off the streets and they learned how to spell, to write, to speak it and do it very efficiently, especially my father. And uh, and so most of my childhood, I was speaking Greek with with everybody. Uh, that's that's all I understood. Okay. But I would watch Batman with my mother. And now these shows again are before my time. But back then in Australia, all shows that the U.S. had in the fifties and sixties showed up in the seventies <laughs> and early eighties. Right. So we would watch. Right. Watch Happy Days in the '80s when it really was. You know, now it's just like, you know, with the world the way it is, and with the internet and all that, it doesn't really matter anymore. We're all just on time. But, right. Um, I remember I went to primary school. My first day at primary school, I skipped kindergarten, uh, and I had no idea. I had no idea what was going to happen, and I heard all these other children just speaking English, and I thought, Ah, oh, yeah, I know that language. That's how Batman and Robin talk. Oh wow! So, so I just I just joined in, which is uh, yeah, that's the that was it. That's that's how yeah. I. Um, so you can see how much influence came from television. Right, and television. Today yeah, I, I don't even have a television. <laughs> oh, you don't? Today I don't even have a TV. No, I don't. I think it's just awful. Um, 
but I think in moderation it's okay. Right. I got rid of right. it in 2003 because I'd rather. Wow. I'd rather just, you know, I don't want to waste any time. You know, I want to, and not that watching watching too much television is a waste of time. Right. Uh, but right. A little bit is fine. Okay. Now it's All uh, right. I, if there's something I have to watch, I'll watch on the internet. Internet, right? The internet. So let's talk a little bit moving forward. You know, like you said, as a kid, you're you're getting into this TV stuff, it's really kind of taking a grasp on you. So when did you first start saying to yourself, you know, hey, I really want to be an actor? I mean, was this when you're getting into high school? Or talk a little bit about, yeah, you know, I, kind of moving forward. Yeah, high school was, um, I happened to just see a film um, with Al Pacino called Dog Day Afternoon. And it was it was on on television really late at night. I had never seen that kind of acting before. I was just mesmerized because it didn't seem fake. Everything just seemed so fake before I saw mm-hmm. that, and I just thought, "How's he doing that?" That 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 just blew my mind. I said, "I'd love to go to learn to do what he's doing, but I want to do it that way." I, I that just is, is fascinating to me. And then I watched all of Al Pacino's films, you know. And um, <laughs> now I even I think it's just weird how when. When he was younger, he sounded like this, you know, like, oh, yeah, you got to put the gun down. Oh, yeah, right. what's going on? <laughs> he said, okay, okay, that's fine. Then he did toy with Bala, and he sounded the sound like this, right? And now it sounds like an old Jew. Oh, she's got a great ass. And it's just really weird to me. <laughs> but I still think he's great. I still think he deserved his Academy Award for playing Foghorn Leghorn in um, uh, Scent of a Woman. Oh, do that, hey. And um, but then I guess I, it was just in my fantasy. I thought I I guess I could do this. I guess I could. Uh, maybe someday I could go to America because I guess he went to the actor studio. Maybe I can do that someday. Right. But it wasn't until so another movie where I only went to see this movie because I was a little bit down and my and back then all I cared about was just getting a like most teenage boys. I just want to. I just want to pack on some muscle. I want to be stronger. And and I was just going through hormonal changes. And, uh, and my dad said, hey, why don't we go to see the movie where the man, he does the push-ups? Let's go to see the movie. He, you, you know the push-ups. You like push-ups? So I went to see um, this movie where this guy's doing push-ups and he's talking really weird and saying, oh, you know something, Adrian, you really something else, Adrian. And I'm thinking, I don't understand what this guy's saying, <laughs> but I love what I'm hearing. Right. And I guess after, I guess after Rocky, um, right. my whole life was completely turned upside down because then I started to believe that I could do anything. And that's when I started to think, i got to actually make a move to do this. And my dad was saying, well, you should go to do some acting in Sydney or in Melbourne. And we did mm-hmm. have, we do have uh, NIDA, which is a lot of graduates like, um, I think, Russell Crowe, Nicole Kidman. Um, Hugh Jackman, was, he graduated from a place that we have in where I grew up in Perth. But I didn't want to ruin it. I said, no, it has to be Strasbourg. It has to be the the Stanislavski method. It has to be in America. And um, I ended up getting, uh, I came to America the first time with my sister just to visit my relatives over here and just to see what it was all about. 
Okay. And and how old um Jim, how old were you then about when you made the first uh, first tip? Probably twenty or twenty one, I can't remember. Okay. Probably twenty. Okay. And I was uh and it was again something weird about New York. Like the San Francisco I didn't I wasn't happy. Um, Hawaii, I thought was uh, it's just like Perth, and you know, it's just uh, <laughs> nothing different. Beaches, but it was stunningly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just didn't feel. I thought San Francisco seems a little aggressive. And then when I came to New York, I just thought, okay, why do I feel like I've been here before? It, it was wow. it was very weird. Mm-hmm. And um, it just. Since that day, it just every time I went home, it just kept pulling me back in, and um, <laughs> until I gave up and said, "All right, let's start dating New York." I was, I, I don't think we should nice. start seeing other cities anymore. Um, so, so do you? How do you apply to this? Do you apply to this Lee Strasberg Theater? Yeah. You know, educate me a little bit I with did. that. Okay. Yeah, I did. I went, and I just couldn't believe what was happening because that's, uh, I saw a movie called Injustice for All with Al Pacino, and there's the poster looking at me. He's staring at me, and he's got this really, really serious expression, and I'm sitting right in front of it waiting to be interviewed, and I'm looking at this, and it's like he was looking at me going, oh, yeah, that's the big time. You're here now. Don't screw this up. And I, and right. I just felt like, I can't believe what I'm doing. I can't believe this is happening. And I started to really believe that anything was possible. And uh, I got interviewed and they they accepted me. And then when I went back to Australia, I got a letter from the actor studio inviting me. And uh, I thought, there is no way that anyone on this planet can say no to this. <laughs> so, right, so right. So I came and then got private coaching and... Um, and uh, I, I remember I couldn't. I thought I don't know how I'm going to survive. I really am not even a citizen. And um, I thought maybe if my cousin said, "Well, maybe if you get married to some lovely American girl," and <laughs> and I said I would jokingly say, "So, what would it be like at my wedding when I do the vows? Would it be? Uh, do you, Jim, take this?" green card, I mean, woman, to be your lawful. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, right. I don't need any of that. So it would be real. And, and there were offers, you know, uh, some real, some fake. Uh, mm-hmm. So funny getting going, yo, man, you want me to get you a fake social security number? And I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> so it, but I wanted everything to be above board. So, uh, yeah, I came back, I did it, and I did it religiously. Um there were 36 of us in the class, and then it turned into eight by the end of the year. And this was, just to educate me again, because I'm not familiar, the actor Studio was also in New York? Uh, yeah, the actor Studio in New York, it is. That's its birth. Okay. Um, it's birthplaces, one in L.A., and but I was at the Theater Institute, and then I got a couple of private coaches from the, gotcha. okay. uh, from the, okay. from the studio itself, yeah. Wow, that's great. I mean, congratulations. And before you were doing all this and, and you came over here to get involved in that, were you working at all? Like after you graduated no. high school, any interesting jobs you did or were you just trying to oh, get yeah. into acting? Well, in Australia, I was, um, I went to art school and uh, oh, nice. I thought, mm, okay. yeah, I thought maybe I'll be a commercial artist. And I had a, a kind of a natural ability to draw, so I thought I'd improve on that. And now... Um, 
I just look like Picasso. My my stuff looks like Picasso gone wrong. So, um, <laughs> so it was nothing well, spectacular. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, it's give okay. Give yourself more credit. You know, yeah. art's very subjective. You know, it's subjective. It's in the eye of the beholder, they say, right? So who knows? You're probably really good. You're good at everything else that that involves entertainment and artistic you creativity. Like, you sound like my art teacher. He said the same thing. I go, so what do you think? Of this, I had drawn. I drew a picture. We we had a, a a model came in, so we were drawing. We're drawing them, and I go. What, so what do you think? And he goes, What do you think? And I said, Well, I need to know what you think. And he goes, I need to know what you think. <laughs> so, so he was trying to tell me that it doesn't matter. And I said, Do you like it? And he goes, But do you like it? Right. And he was, I guess, trying to show me. How it's in the eye of the beholder and all that. Um, right. And I right. had I had a knack okay. for cartoons. Uh, I wonder why, but I had a a knack for for cartoons mostly. But it mm-hmm. was um, it's really funny. I feel like I'm I'm on the actor's studio. Uh, <laughs> and my methods were, and you're James Lipton, but just a prettier version. Oh, um, thank you. And no beard. <laughs> Um, so, so, yeah, so you're that, that was the actor's studio. You're getting some, you know, some major training and you're going through all these different, you know, sequences and courses and stuff. So when does this lead to you? I mean, I know you've done, I read from your bio, you know, you've done a lot of different things as an actor, you know, voiceover artist, you write. Um, and I definitely want to get into some of the, the schizo things. Sounds phenomenal. I'd love to see that at some point. And I do want to get into that, but when do you decide to say, you know, Hey, I really want to incorporate, acting into comedy and tell us a little bit about, you know, when you step out and do that, what was your first show like, where was it at? Okay. Well, that, that was, um, it's funny. A lot of this is in, is in schizo, but, um, my, my jobs, I forgot to tell you was that I didn't really want to be in art school anymore. Um, okay, sorry, ahead, I didn't even ask your question, but I said, no, 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 I'm sorry. Um, so, no, so continue, uh, continue with that and then we'll transition into the other yeah, stuff. I, I did the. Um, I became a DJ for weddings and parties and all that, and I was so nervous because really? I'm shy. Yeah, I was always shy by nature, and it was it was just. It took me about 45 minutes to actually say something on the microphone, but I started really young. My dad right. had to drive me around to the functions, you know, uh, because I was too young to have a license. But I, I think I was 16, maybe 15, and nice. um, it didn't look good for the the father of the bride. I go. Hi, I'm your DJ, um, and I'm also the MC. And he'd go, "Are you joking, mate?" And I go, "No, I'm really him." And, uh, <laughs> uh, but it, you know, I enjoyed it. I, 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 I really did. Uh, and then I ended up doing the voiceovers. Then I did some street theater, and then, um, and then I became a DJ at an ice rink and at a at a roller rink and. Okay. And then I started doing commercials. Um, and then the transition, um, I guess, is your next question. was the next question, right? It was... Um, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It, it, I remember from, you know, reading a lot about you, it, you really honed in on how, you know, you're really an actor and, and you incorporate this into all these different things you do. And I think you're a comedian, too. But it looked, it was interesting to show how when you talk about it a lot, it's like, I write, but I'm an actor, or I'm a comedy, you know, I'm a comedian, but I incorporate all of my acting into it, and yeah, so I thought it was interesting to see, yeah. you know, when did that start to transition into, hey, you know, I want to do stand-up, and I want to get involved in, you know, that aspect of the industry. That was, um, 
because again, I just thought I really can't do anything here as an actor, or I don't want to. I don't want to get um, a job that's illegal. I I, I was always. I just didn't want anyone breathing down my back. I didn't want to abuse the system because there's already three billion people doing that. So, right. um, so I just thought, all right, um, I'll just, I'll do this. I'll just learn the craft, and I'll worry about that later. And then at one point, I did decide to just do some to to, to be a, a waiter for a little bit. And I remember it was called a real Jewish deli. And um, as opposed, to, I thought, as opposed to what a fake one, but um, right. the, were very nice. They'd go, "Oh my God, I love your accent. Where are you from? England?" And uh, <laughs> and it was, it was. I enjoyed it, but uh, I was just terrible at it. So my, I had an Irish actress friend. <laughs> I just have the utmost respect for waiters, wait staff anywhere. Um, yeah, I, I did that a little really bit before. When I was getting my degrees oh. and stuff, oh, I did it. I was decent at it too, but yeah. I did it. <laughs> Not me. Yeah, you were decent. Many people are. I um, <laughs> it was probably how long did I do it for? It's probably the, the the toughest four hours of my entire life. Right. Uh, that was the extent of my wait waiting. But I just um, I can't. Uh, math is involved. I can't do that stuff. It's, it's too much. <laughs> And again, I just got scared. I thought, ah, you know, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to do something stupid. And um, so then my Irish actress friend, uh, Liz, she just said, I always used to make her laugh, and she had this the nicest laugh. It was so much fun to hear it. Uh, it, it was very giggly, <laughs> like that. Right. It's just beautiful. And I found myself making her laugh just so that I can hear it, so that I could laugh. And then she would say, oh, you're so funny, Jimmy. You should train. You. Let's go to an open mic night. Let's go do that. And I said, oh, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I said, what, are you kidding? Uh, a comedian? And she goes, you've got, to, you've got to give it a shot. And I remember my my one of my best friends in Australia, like well, two of my closest friends, they said to me, we know you like comedy. We have this guy from America that we have a video of we think you'd love it because he does impressions as well and he's, he's, he's funny. And and so they put it on and I laughed so hard that I was literally on the floor curled up and I thought I was right. going to die. And I said, oh, turn it off, turn it off, like that. And they were laughing right. at me, which made me, I thought, I'm, I'm, this is how I went. This is, I'm a statistic. I died laughing. And it was right. uh, Eddie Murphy, oh delirious. It, it was the first thing. I didn't realize then why I liked it so much. And maybe people don't think of it that much now, but I always look back and think, I guess maybe I thought it was amazing. And to this day, it probably would still make me laugh. I know that mm-hmm. some of it is probably inappropriate, but who cares? Uh, but I just thought that I cannot believe that he, here is a black American man talking about his family, and here am I, a Greek white Australian man, so far away from him, and I'm understanding and resonating with everything he's saying. His family mm-hmm. is my family, and I just thought, man, if I can transcend those cultures like like that, I'll be a happy camper, and that's what I try to do. That's why I try to travel all over the world and and try and do that. 
you know. And right. So she told me, you've got to, you've got to go and try. listen. I'll be even. I'm the only one laughing. I'll please do it. So the first time I ever did it was in in New York, and um, I thought, well, there's a great place to lose your. A, a really tough place to lose your stand-up comedy virginity. So, right. <laughs> so I, I think it was may have been called Ye Old Triple In. It may have been called something else. Okay. And and I got on, and I, it was just like, here's my impression of such and such. And you could, my legs were sh- shaking. It was just, but I did really well. And I thought, I can't believe people are laughing. And they'd come up and go, you know, if uh, you keep doing this, you're gonna you're gonna be a star. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know about that. And right. then I'd go on and off. Yeah, and then I went back to Australia and didn't really think about it much, and just started doing commercials over there, and and mm-hmm. we became a radio announcer for a while, and then back to DJing, and then more voiceovers, and then I I thought I mean Seinfeld had been on for a while, and I thought. I wonder if I could actually write something and do it uh, and get up on stage and actually do it with more mm-hmm. with with just more knowledge that I have now and I and I did um and then I did that probably probably once every two months at the local club and it was going really really well and then I thought this is really no way to make a living so I did one last show I said uh this will be my farewell and I did it uh, the first first time I ever got a, a, an encore, and I thought, "Wow, this is good. This is a good way to leave. Great blaze of glory." So then uh, I get off stage, and this guy comes up to me, a real Aussie uh, guy that organized uh, outback comedy tours, and he goes, "Listen, mate, I need you to get on tour with me, and we'll do mining camps in the outback. And we travel in a Hertz rental car. We get to see all of Australia. I really want to take you on this tour, mate." And I said, you can't offer me that. I just quit. And uh, I did it. And they said, all right, you're headlining. And I said, I don't even know what I'm doing. I have like 15 <laughs> minutes of material. That's awesome, but, though. boy, do you learn fast. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. So, so how, I mean, if you don't mind asking, like, where are you at right now in terms of how old are you about when you're – going back and forth and you're doing all these voiceovers and commercials and you're, you know, leaving comedy when you barely even started it. And, you know, where are we at right now in the timeline? Um, I don't, I can't, it's all such a blur. I was probably, uh, In your 20s still? Yeah, 20s. I would say probably mid-20s. Yeah. Cause oh, okay, okay, here. okay. So you're, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think, so, yeah, because, I mean, I was, I was doing it in New York too at the time because I it was like a bit of both and I remember when I did right. come back so I was very young when I went on these tours I was just a kid I was just thinking what am I doing I want to go home um, because I'm not really the camping guy I, I like camping so long as I can take my fridge my bed my oven right. <laughs> um, exactly. uh, my good clothes my shower my toilet uh, <laughs> which then makes me think well I already got that stuff here so yeah I don't want to go camping <laughs> and there's no insects here either. Right. <laughs> and I have a fridge. So, um, but it was an experience. And these guys were like, we were entertaining Crocodile Dundee extras. Uh, when I saw Crocodile Dundee, that the movie, 
I, I just thought, oh, this is an exaggeration. They're, everyone's going to think that these kind of people actually exist. And when I went into the outback and saw these people, I thought, my God in heaven, they do exist. Right. And um, <laughs> they were rough as guts, and they were, oh, geez, they they take heckling to a whole new level. They just oh my gosh. They want you to get on stage so they can hate you immediately and make fun of you. But once you win right. them over, and if you're funny, they love you. And so when I came back to New York, uh, and I remember some people in the industry going, you know, New York's really tough. New Yorkers are jaded. They're very tough. Uh, I said, yeah, I got this. Because <laughs> nice. I thought they can't be any tougher than these psychopaths. Right, and then who, what you experienced, right. Uh, it, I mean, one of them chased the MC with a chainsaw. And oh he my. thought it was funny. And everyone else is laughing. Wow. Uh, there was another time the That's Australian crazy. elite military wanted the crap out of us. Um, these are the people that go with the American um, special forces into the caves of Afghanistan to find bin Laden. These oh are the guys gosh. that wanted to shoot out of us. <laughs> right. So, uh, so nothing, nothing can guys, be as intense or as challenging as, as that. No. So, no, okay, so no. you, you come over to New York, and when do you make the move that you, you know, come over here and, and basically stay permanently? Um, I, di- I did some more acting, and then um, I thought, okay, uh, you know, I did, I really took acting seriously, and I said, I'll, I'll learn the craft some more, uh, and then I'll go back to Australia, and that'll be it, because now I've been here four times, and uh, I think I'm done. And I went home, and I ended up getting a job as a, as an actor, writer, director, and voiceover guy for this entertainment complex called Pioneer World, which was what Australia was 100 years ago. You walk through the gates as a tourist, and then it's exactly what it was 100 years ago, like the the, the buildings, everything. And they wanted me to be kind of like the entertainment manager where I would write sketches and I would create oh, wow. characters. Mm-hmm. And it was – I would – heaven. I was in bliss. We actually had um, Matthew Modine came in once and we picked him as the guinea pig uh, in one of the sketches that we did and he was amazing. He was such a so, so gracious. And um, and I was just so happy and then I thought, let me try and do some stand-up again. So I started doing more stand-up and I started getting a little bit better at it and then even a little bit better and then they wanted me to enter this contest and then I won this contest and then um, they were going to fly me somewhere and then just out of the blue I kept saying to myself do I want to go back to I wonder if I went back to New York now that I've had more experience if I can do something Mm -hmm. I'm sure the answer will come to me and then this producer called me and said um, you're one of the guys, we're doing a television series, and this was before reality TV. They said, we're, we're okay. doing a series. Um, it's called First Person. It's like you, everyone has a video diary. We give you a camera, and we want to follow the life of what you're doing. And the others are so depressing. We have a Roman, a strict, devout Catholic who wants a sex change operation. We have a, a woman who has to leave her town because it's ridden with asbestos. We have another one of a, gam- of a gambler who's in jail and an alcoholic. And they said, we need some relief. So we want to audition you as when you get the camera, we'll follow you around and see how you what you're doing. So I auditioned for it. And then they said, it's between you and a Vietnamese guy. And I said, oh, whatever. 
And then they called me again and said, all right, they'll give it to you on one condition. And I said, what's that? We, we know you went to New York once. We want you to go back there again. And I thought, well, there's my answer. Okay. So then I got invited by a wonderful man named Bruno Schripper at Wise Guys in Syracuse. He used to own that club. And uh, he said, I saw your stuff. So I sent – this was all part of the video diary. and It was on television. That you can still see it, where I'm just calling agents and managers in New York and I'm recording everything, and I tell them I'm recording it, and they're, they're all great. It was just, it was wonderful. And I said, are you the right people to to?" And uh, I said, yeah, send us your stuff. There was one guy who was talking to me a lot, and it's, I mean, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who anybody was. And he said, you've got some really good stuff. I really like to, when you come over, I want to meet with you. Uh, you. You definitely have something. And I thought, well, now I can't resist that. That was actually Rory mm-hmm. Rosegarten, and I had no idea who he was. Oh my um, gosh! So, uh, and then the, I, I think Jay Leno's manager was. Ta- it's just really weird because I was just naive. I had. Oh, let me call up this guy. Let me call up this girl. <laughs> and, but you know uh, what? But you know what, Jim? I mean, in retrospect, I mean, if you knew who they really were, you might have been more intimidated, and maybe not not necessarily that you wouldn't have done it. But I think the naivety maybe gave you a little bit of an upper hand because you. You were yourself, and you know what I mean? You didn't have to kind of shy away from things because you didn't know who these people were. There's uh, an element of truth to that, absolutely, and not knowing because then you you don't put them on a pedestal. You just think, well, this is an agent. Let me see what I can do. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it was. So he invited me. I said, if I send off, I'll send off 10, 10 tapes. If I get three yeses or four yeses, maybe I'll go. So I ended up getting about seven positive responses, and one of them was Bruno, and he said, um, I'll sponsor you so that you can work here legally. And, um, oh, wow. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, it'll be like a three-month tour. I have a few upstate New York, central New York gigs for you. You can use my room. We can, you can stay here for a while. And uh, I thought, oh, cool, three months. I went off to do a three-month tour. <laughs> right. <laughs> a three-month tour. And the weather started getting really good. And every time I tried to go home, can you do a gig for us here? Oh, I got you another gig here in Chicago. I got you another gig here. And it just kept so building. So real quick, built. Jim, so this guy was your manager, so to speak, this guy that you were getting a three-month tour a with? Okay. Uh, Yeah. And then I needed okay. to work illegally. He didn't really know exactly how to do it. So I met this amazing, honest, incredible, wonderful lawyer who's now responsible for my green card and having me work here for, t- um, for the 20-year, three-month tour. Uh, wow. David Yukoski, he, was, he was an honest lawyer. Can you believe that? But he did, nice. Uh, he's just, he just knows uh, how to do it, and he's so honest that I said, what about a green card? He goes, no, you're not ready for that. I don't want to take money from you, and I know I can't win the case. But, um, I mean, he's uh, eventually, through the powers that be and what I've done and what he he did, uh, it was it was all good to go. I can do anything now. But it was, um, yeah, it's just that the, 
the tour. What a, yeah, what a, you know, what a, what a journey you've been on in terms of, yeah, just kind of the back and No, but, I mean, it's a lot of trial and error, and I really respect and appreciate when people, like you said, you're, you're doing the acting, you get involved in comedy, maybe you're not ready for it yet, you go back, and, and along the way, like you said, you're really building up your skill set to the point of when you know that, you know, you're like, okay, now I've got something, and I am ready to take that next step and, and do something with this. So I think that's really For cool. Sure. Yeah. For sure. And and even Bruno said, I think there's only one way that you're going to get better at your craft now. And he said that is if you go out and discover America. So because uh, there was only a certain amount that he could do for me. He says, you can't stay mm-hmm. in Syracuse forever. And to this day, I still have an affinity for Syracuse. I love the place. I've got f- friends I consider family there now. Nice. Um, and recently, it was this year, it was almost like a, a full circle because I did a gig where Bruno produced it because he's even out of the business, but he produced it. And we had Moody McCarthy and Tommy Anzalone. They were the other two comedians because they're like from Syracuse as well. As Moody was the first guy I ever did a gig with in America. And he's a okay. friend and I love him to death. And Tommy's hilarious. We ended up packing the place. And there was a, it was probably the highlight not only of my career, but a highlight of just my life in general because I never Aww. felt that kind of love. I thought, wow, to come here and not know what the hell I'm doing in front of 12 people and then to do it in front of 800 people that are right. there specifically to me. You know, it was just insane. I loved it. That's it was great. just, I didn't, didn't want it to end. But, it, um, but I think, um, and, and just to comment a little bit, because I want to be able to play the little, the, the clip that you sent me to just so people can get a taste of uh, some of your comedy. And of course, they can check you out on YouTube and, and everywhere else. But um, what were, sure. you know, it sounds like your journey, I'm sure it had some bumps in the road. Where do you think compared to, I don't want to say back in the day, but I mean, you've been doing this for a while, you're very seasoned. You know, what are some of the challenges you think people have today in terms of getting into comedy? I know that there's a lot of differences in terms of the way it was years ago and, and how it is today. I guess it's um, it's easier and harder. I, I think okay. back then there were, there were a lot of gatekeepers. There was a lot of there were a lot of people that you had to go through. Mm-hmm. They had to say to you before you could get to the next level. Um, even when I came here in the late nineties, um, it had it already began to change, and I heard all these horrible. I came at the end of the gravy train, as they called it. You know, like, okay. oh, I remember when you used to get this much money and they used to fly you, now it's only this, that, and the other. And then clubs were were closing. And right. I would hear comments like, well, you know, back then if you were on Carson, you, your career was made. But now if, I mean, today if you're on Letterman, or if you were on Letterman, or if you're on any one of the shows on Conan or any of that, it really doesn't mean anything. I mean, it does for you, and I would love to do it and mm-hmm. working on it, and um, because it's just for the experience. But back then, it could make or break your career. You know, it was it was. Right. Look at all these people like Ellen DeGeneres and Jerry Seinfeld and uh, David Brennan. All these all these comedians. They were, and this is what all these guys here were telling me. Like, yeah, that's all over, because now. The word I kept hearing was saturation. And then mm-hmm. what happened is then the internet was born, YouTube was born, and so comedians were trying to get popular through that, but now there's a saturation even of that. Yeah, and, um, definitely. Unfortunately, the thing that I don't like is that there's this you owe me thing. It's almost like 
a lot of especially young comedians they'll they think that they're the, you know spectacular and they'll just let me turn this bar into a comedy show for the night let me just say a whole bunch of they just curse and criticize the audience and you wonder why clubs are closing because people go to those and think ah oh, comedy sucks right and that's why right. I like to do theater why I like to do um clubs that still like I just did one uh, the, the Snappers Bar and Grill comedy club in Florida that that reminds me of the old days because mm-hmm. people want to go in there and see some good comedy but um yeah, so I think, yeah, I think it's like you said, I think it's a, a different day and age, unfortunately, like you said, with the Internet, just it is it's it's inundated. It's flooded with, you know, whether it's music or it's comedy or, you know what I mean, that there's so much going on. And it's yeah, it's 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 I think hard. Like you said, I think it's it's easier in the sense that people have this forum to put themselves out there. But it's harder because you still got this this pool that is just growing and growing. And it's like. You know, how do you kind of get out of that deep end? You know what I mean? And make yourself yeah. known when when there's so much, you know, like I said, saturation. I think is the perfect word. Yeah, because you know, with the agents, back when you did have gatekeepers and managers, at least they would sift through some of the garbage. But now there's, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot of people that have made careers out of YouTube. Sure. But there's also a lot of. Uh, but there's also you still you yourself have to sift through the garbage because <laughs> like, how do I get yeah. noticed? And now right. I just get put off by now I'm put off by it all. Like oh you got to get on Tinder, you got to get on this, you got to get on that. No, I don't got to get I on know. anything. I just can't be bothered because and maybe it's to my detriment. Who knows? But I just feel no. But I think I think personally, Jim, I, I think you've you know you've really created a niche for yourself and a career for yourself, and I do think you stand out. You do a lot of different things. You're not just doing a stand-up act, you're incorporating so much more. And I think that's what really makes you, you know, eclectic, so to speak, and dynamic. I, I think that's a huge selling point for you. And I think that's why you've been so successful. And I think it's hard for people to maybe they have to find something that right is going to make them a little unique and a little different, but not, you know, so off, off topic that people can't relate to them. So I think that's something sure. that you should really be pleased about and just, you know, proud of um, that you've accomplished all that. Well, yes, thank you. And I do, <laughs> I do encourage, <laughs> I do encourage comedians to just, and just people in general in life, just to do your own thing. Don't wait for someone to hand you something. And I, I look at all right. my my influences, whether it was a Stallone or whether it was a Bruce Lee or whomever it was, they all just said, I'm going to create my own opportunity because there's a lot of bitter and twisted people in the business and it's mm-hmm. usually the people life owes them something but they were waiting for someone to say oh my god you're perfect we want you but no one's going to do that you have to do it yourself I know. you do and you're right so also not look for the end result because I used to do that like oh I can't wait to get my sitcom I can't wait till the movie gets made I can't wait till mm-hmm. this and the other but you have to enjoy the ride. It took me a while to understand it. Like you have to be so happy that if nothing happens, you're still happy. You're right. You know? No, you're right. And let's um, yeah. No, I mean, go on, and then I wanna I wanna play your you know your bit, and then we'll come back. And I definitely wanna you know please, I want you to fill the audience in you know briefly on some of the stuff that you're working on because it sounds like you have some great stuff in the works, and you've had some people that are interested in you know developing and, and funding some of these projects that. Um, I'm not sure where sure. you're at with them, but 
Um, I'd love to hear those too. So yeah, tell us a little bit about this, uh, this clip we're going to play to introduce it to the audience and then we'll uh, come back after that. All righty. All right. So this is you doing stand up. Do you uh, know exactly where you're at with this one that you sent me? Um, I can't remember where <laughs> I'm from <laughs> somewhere. Okay, um, but it, it, again, it's, it's a difficult. Right. Yeah, I got, right, well, uh, you'll have to play it before I remember. But I know it was at a club. Okay, yeah, it was definitely at a club. You definitely had a, I had a nice uh, crowd there that was really enjoying what you were doing. All right, so let's do that. I'm going to oh, put you good. on hold, Jim. We'll we'll check out this uh this this bit that you have, and then we'll be back. All right. Okay, I'll, I'll cross my okay, legs and hold on. Okay. <laughs> All right, everyone. Jim DeLake, it's a very interesting interview. It's It's been a really in-depth, comprehensive uh, journey about his life and uh, ventures into comedy, acting, DJing, voiceover artist work, and tons more. So if you've tuned in late for any reason, um, you can download the podcast once it's over. So here's Jim uh, doing some stand-up, and we'll be back in a moment. I love it. You people are so friendly in this country. You really are. Very polite. Very polite. But you drive like psychos. <laughs> Worst for me. <laughs> I have to drive on the other side of the road, on the other side of the car. I'm the guy you see going. <laughs> Can you go any faster? Oh shit! When you pass me, I get that shake. <laughs> Finally, I back out of my driveway. I found out what the passing lane is here. <laughs> All of them. This is too much. Let me pull over. So I do. Then I discover these things on the sides of the roads that you have here on your highways. You know, I was confused. Guy tells me, "Oh, water reduce your ball asleep." <laughs> okay then. See, we don't have those back home. We stay awake when we drive.
American women, you're very beautiful. Ooh, ooh, good. <laughs> but you're very aggressive. Now I know what that song's all about. American woman, stay away from me. All right, everyone, again, Jim Delacus, some of his comedy. And as I said, you have to really go out and see him do a live show. That's a, a great uh, piece of uh, what's to come if you go see him live. So check him out. Go to ComedianJim.com so you can check out upcoming shows, events, and so much more. So let's bring him back on. Waiting for it to register. All right, come on. Sometimes the switchboard is a little delayed. All right, you there, Jim? I'm, All I'm right. here. Awesome, awesome. Great work. Awesome stuff. Thank you. Yeah, very it's, cool. It's, it's, um, so, where are you at with uh, some of these projects? Um, I know you did, oh. like you said, you did the schizo, but you also have some other stuff in the works for, I think it was like some movies, right? There was a couple of yeah, yeah. Looked my, um, my notes here. All my friends are getting married. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one, there, that one there was uh, weird because it's it's not. Everyone goes, it's that autobiographical. Is that what it is? And I said no. But when I did start writing it, as soon as I was done, all my friends started getting married. <laughs> so, um, and now uh, some of my friends are getting divorced. But um, yeah, it, it, that, that, that's. That actually was something that um, was another thing where I thought, ah, I've tried to do so many different, because uh, I had written about four, uh, how many screenplays? Like I've written four, and the first one almost got made, uh, and I had so m- I had so much uh, so much heat with that one. I ended up at, at a movie premiere. I was um, I got I got to meet Will uh, Will Smith. I sound like I'm Will I'm, I'm uh, name dropping, so I won't. I got to meet A list stars, and they were saying right. they were going to support. I got to walk red carpet, but then wow. all the investors, some of the investors pulled out. So I said, "Oh, I get back on your horse, do do something else." And then I did another one, 15 minutes of fame, and I I had a director who had directed Nicole Kidman, Russell Crowe. He was interested in um, directing it. Okay. And um, he said, you can pay me whatever you want. And I thought, wow, okay. And then I managed to get Cheryl Crow to be the female lead in this. Uh, but, uh, well, we were talking about her, her. Her agent was very interested. And then, unfortunately, I had I had the money but not the distribution deal because I was working. Um, that's a long story, but it's about it's just the criteria that you needed uh, right. in order for them to put money in from the finance film corporation in Australia. And then the investor that I had from America said, uh, I can't wait any longer, so I'm going to pull out. So he pulled oh, out. Oh, gosh. Then, then I thought, okay, but I'm going to do this one. This one's just going to be something I'll film myself. And then my dear friend and, and producer, Brian Beaton, who passed away recently, he, uh, I mean, he got me so far with all this stuff. And I said, he said, you know, if we get a distribution deal before we actually, uh, it might be easy to get the money. And I said, oh, but hang on a second, a distribution deal before we get the the, the money? That's, right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a miracle. So he <laughs> would go to the film festival. He would go to different, um, I mean, he was known all around the world. He was very respected. And he sent me an email, and the heading was, please see Miracle Below. 
and there was a company that liked it so much. They said, we see the commercial potential in this. We want to give you a distribution deal provided that you come up with the money, but we'll do everything else. And, uh, you know, international uh, uh, distribution, Mm -hmm. domestic, VD cable, Netflix, you name it. And uh, so then I thought, well, good Lord, this is all right. So I was one step ahead and I thought, this is going to make it so much easier. And I was wrong. So <laughs> but it is It is actually at the point now where there's, um, it's looking really good. Uh, and that's the, and the, which one is that, Jim? Is that the All My Friends Are Getting Married? Because I knew you had Okay. Yeah, and there's another okay. one called Not Until She Sings, and these guys like that one too. And and the other ones are kind of on the back burner because I show them, I show these people one, and then they go, oh, we like what you have. We like this, we like that. But I think once you've, once you've been in this business long enough, people can say, we're going to get George Clooney and Julia Roberts to do this film. We're going to put you in it. We're going to have the best director in the world, and Meryl Streep's going to have a cameo. And right. here comes the money. And you'll still go, I, all right then. Uh, uh, call me tomorrow and let me know if it's all going through. You know, it's right. when you're younger, it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Right. An agent called me back. You know, and now mm-hmm. you have things like this where I've been in it long enough to know that unless it's all there and I see it for myself, it's it isn't there. But. Uh, but that's it, great. It I mean, that's, that's great. That's looking extremely your... good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, I wish you much success with that. You deserve all of that. You've Thank worked you. so hard, and uh, I hope it does get to the point that you know one of these comes to fruition, or both of them do. Yes, I hope so. And, you um, know? and with schizo. So, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So I'm why don't you um just to because I know we've been believe me I can interview you for another hour, but um. Why don't we do this? Tell us a little bit about, you know, any shows you have coming up, any tours you're doing, anything where, you know, people can come check you out and, uh, you know, Um, start to wrap things up. I did, uh, well, um, I think everyone's been asking me, when are you coming to Long Island, to Long Island? I think (laughs) finally, uh, those wonderful clubs there, um, uh, I think, there's going to be some dates coming through. But again, these days, it's like all you people that listen to me, that um, love coming to my shows, I, I thank you. It's 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 because of you. If you call up clubs and you say, yeah, we'd love to have Jim here, then that's when they, that's when they bring you. So there's a lot of that involved. But I'm trying to work um, on helping veterans. Uh, I wanted to put a theater tour nice. together. I did something with a lovely, just adorable, generous housewife in New Jersey, uh, Jillian Nardini Massina. She uh, she helped me do a Wounded Warrior project. Um, uh, well, we helped each other. She did most of the work, though. <laughs> so oh, we did a that's wonderful, show. Yeah, and it was so successful. I got Joe Bronzy and Maria Walsh to, to be on uh, the show with me, and they raised 5000 And the thing I did with Bruno, that raised 10000 And now I'm trying to do something. I tried to get the Gary Sinise Foundation to to help me out, but I guess they got their own thing to do. So I, I just thought, all right, I'll do it myself. So I'm trying to, at the moment, with a lovely woman in, in Pennsylvania, uh, Sherry Davis, who wants to uh, help me with doing a, a show for veterans and then 
I'd like it to be like a tour to, to go all around the country and just raise money for them. And That'd be great. To know that it actually, uh, just, that's, that's, that's what I like doing the most is that when um, I get to make people laugh and at the same time I get to uh, say we all get to help everybody, mm-hmm. you know, so that you get the most, uh, just, you know, payback. And uh, so I'm doing that. There's uh, Greek-American shows that I do. Uh, I'm also... I did something very different this year. I performed in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. <laughs> that oh was gosh. amazing. Wow. Yeah, that was amazing. And they said, uh, we like you so much. Uh, we like you to come back and to do the Asian tour, to do the Hong Kong, to do the Manila, <laughs> to do Singapore, and to do the hot tour. We like you very much. So I said, all right, I'm in. So I'm doing Singapore That's on the great. way to Australia. I've got some Australian shows. So it's it, just uh, go to my website if you want me. I'll come and do your show. You will not yeah. be disappointed. No, they definitely won't be disappointed. Like I said, I got to catch you the next time. I'll, I don't want to say where I'm at, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hit you up uh, on messaging and stuff just because I definitely want to catch another show of yours soon. It's been way too long since I've seen you. Both, you know, both sure. personally, I'd like to see you and also to come out and support you. When did so. we do we, cause we met? When did we meet again? Because it was, in, was oh. in Connecticut. No, New Jersey. New Jersey. Oh. Yeah, you were you were performing with a comedian named Claudia Stavola, and um, yeah, I had come out to see her, and you were headlining the show, and uh, yeah, that's how I met you. I mean, it's it's probably oh, been Janet at least right. two years. Yeah. Yeah, because you're because yeah. yeah, I saw your face. I said I know her, and I couldn't remember yeah. whether you performed her. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I couldn't remember it because when I saw you on when I saw your face, I said, "Oh, because I never forget a face. I'll forget a name." But I'll, okay. I, 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 but my, I'm terrible with names, uh, Julia. But um, I remember. <laughs> I thought, but did, but did she go on stage? I don't remember seeing Carrie on stage. Either, but you were with. Claudia no, I didn't go on stage. I was just a, I was just uh, a supporter sure. in the audience. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah Claudia's yeah. a wonderful. She's she's wonderful and very funny. Yeah. Yeah, very talented, too. Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, so, I mean, Jim, thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, let's definitely do Thanks this. If, uh, at some point in the future when, you know, you got some other stuff in the works, especially if you have one of your films or your projects coming out, you're always welcome sure. to come back on and promote it. Um, it's my pleasure. And thank you for all that you do for people like us. Who are, I hope we're Aww. returning the favor. You know, the more exposure we get, the more people know about us, and people do listen. And I hope your show explodes. And I hope so too. I really, I really hope so. I do a, I think I do a lot of research, and I, you know, I really do an in-depth interview. So I'm hoping, yes, at some point that I can also, you know, take it to another level. So, but like you said, Jim, hard work and Thank perseverance, you. and unfortunately, doing stuff on your own and not expecting anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you and summed I hope, it up well. Uh, yeah, but, um, I hope I didn't uh, talk too much. No, 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 no. no because I think, go, I think you should shut up now. What's that? <laughs> I listen to my own voice and go, I think you should shut up now. That's what the other no, voice in my head said. No, no I, think, yeah. I think this is a nice way to end it. I think um, hard work and perseverance and, you know, meeting people who support you. I think that's the key component, too, because I'm always willing to support other people, and you never know who you're going to meet along the way where – Maybe you can collaborate on a project, and and that's the stuff that starts to get the wheels spinning too. So, I think that's a good way to kind of tie things up. It would be so good to wrap up now with 
people, people who need people are the luckiest people. They have Barbara Streisand singing, not me. There you go. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you again so much. And again, you're a delight. And I, I hope that uh, the show gets some, some good listens for you so people can really learn about your life story, too, because I, uh, I think it's really really significant. And, and like you said, I think it, you really made an impact in terms of where you were and, and where you are today. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, there'll be a podcast, so we'll definitely uh, promote it after it's over to help people uh, come along if they, for some reason, tuned in later, they weren't able to listen. Yeah, I can, I'll call you and go, Carrie, I want to share my Academy Award with you that I won for the film. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> One can only <Aww>. dream. <laughs> no, don't say that. Never say never. I think you said that tonight, right? But thank yeah, you oh, so absolutely. much again, Jim. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be in touch off the air. And uh, I wish you much continued success. Ditto. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a great night. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Again, Jim Delakis. Check him out, comedianjim.com. He's also on Twitter, at Comedian Jim. And uh, you can hit him up on Facebook. He has a fan page. He has a personal page. So, like I said, definitely go out to one of his shows and support him. He really is a unique talent that brings something new and fresh um, that I don't think you're going to see elsewhere. So it was a pleasure having him on the show. And again, thank you to everyone who has tuned into the show. As I said, we've done over 200 interviews. I've had national comedians, musicians, filmmakers, and again, uh, been working really hard to get to get the show to where it is today. So I am definitely appreciative of the connections I've made and the support that I've received too. So um, follow me at Carrie Edelman on Twitter and uh, I'll follow you back. I also have Two personal pages. One of my Facebook pages is maxed out at the 5,000, so you can find me at the other one because I love to keep in touch with people that way too. And also uh, become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook, and you can see upcoming shows, events, and uh, interviews. I do have some stuff in the works, but I think Jim can appreciate this. I have a lot of irons in the fire, and it's just a matter of waiting to solidify some dates and times for some new upcoming interviews. So I definitely have some interesting people coming on. So, again, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Check Jim out. Go to comedianjim.com, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thanks again for the support, and have a great night.